Are you a follower of Jesus Christ who's done being quiet? Are you ready to tell the world whose you are, totally, fearlessly, and unapologetically? And are you ready to smash that imaginary wall that supposedly divides your career and faith life? Welcome to the C-Suite for Christ podcast, where we talk about living as a disciple of Christ in the world of work. Before we get to the content we have in store for you today, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Imagine a financial institution with competitive rates and low fees so you can support churches, ministries, and causes that are close to your heart. A place where your faith and finances can grow together as you seek to serve God and support yourself and your loved ones. It's called Christian Community Credit Union. Here, you're joining a family who shares your Christian values. Here, you can serve God and support yourself and your loved ones. Here, you can get the right financial solutions to help you live and give more abundantly. But can't you just find financial services somewhere else? Well, sure. But what other bank can be your faith-based partner who genuinely cares about a mission bigger than all of us? What other bank seeks to honor God with every single transaction? What other bank can guarantee your money goes directly to kingdom purposes? Christian Community Credit Union is a Christian faith-based, not-for-profit credit union driven by the purpose of serving Christ's followers to live and give more abundantly. To learn more about this world-class financial organization, please visit www.mycccu.com slash c-suite. Again, that's www.mycccu.com slash c-suite. I once asked a business owner who was about to sell his $400 million company that 20 years earlier was a $15 million company, how much he attributed his company's success to being in a CEO roundtable. His answer was, I attribute my company's growth to initiatives undertaken, which were all brought to the CEO roundtable group. That's what having a group of like-minded Christian executives can do for you. That's what being a member of a Nehemiah group can do for you. To learn more about how Nehemiah Groups can help you grow your company and change your life, please visit FuelingSales.com and click on the Nehemiah Group tab. Thank you. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. I am Paul M. Newberger, the founder of C-Suite for Christ, and it is a blessing to have you join us here today. We promise to be a good steward of your time. And again, if you are new to the program and you're hoping for, you know, maybe an episode that is what I would call soft Christianity, something that's not going to challenge you, something that's not going to convict you, something that's going to make you feel special, probably got the wrong show. If we're going to do anything, we're going to do it seriously. We're really going to do what we can to honor the Great Commission, to push each other, to challenge each other, to empower each other, and to really try to make each other a better Christian. Because if we're going to cover the world in Christ, we need to be better. We need to be bolder. We need to be more 
armored up and well-equipped. And that's never going to happen if we stay within the comfy confines of our Christian comfort zone. And we are going to take you outside of that comfort zone, not only in this episode, but all the previous ones. So here's the thing, just so you never miss one of our episodes, I got a couple things for you. One, whatever platform you're on, be it Spotify, Anchor Podcast, Apple Podcast, whatever it is, go back and listen to some previous episodes. Again, we talked to a wide variety of individuals. They're all members of the C-Suite for Christ ministry on a variety of topics. And I guarantee you, you're going to find these topics timely based on what uh, we're going through as a society. But number two, just to ensure that you never, ever, ever, ever miss an episode of the C-Suite for Christ podcast moving forward, just hit the subscribe button. It takes, what, five-tenths of a second, and you'll always be notified every time we produce a new show. New shows launch every single Friday, and it would be a blessing to have you come along for the ride in that regard. I, I have no idea how you're feeling But I'm assuming if you believe what I believe in terms of the Christian faith, if you believe what I believe in terms of the Great Commission, if you believe what I believe in the sense of putting Christ at the center of society, at the center of the universe, at the center of our respective lives, you got to be pretty PO'd based on where we are as a society today. And it is amazing just how quickly society continues to deteriorate. I guess we shouldn't be surprised because there is a war against Christianity going on in society today. If you really want to understand what is going on in the world today, it's not all that difficult. Every single day is a war between good and evil. That's it. Some people wake up, they get out of bed, their feet hit the floor, and they say, yeah, I wonder what my purpose in life is today. I wonder what this Tuesday is going to bring. It's not a Tuesday It's not just any ordinary day. It's not about you being productive and checking boxes and accomplishing stuff. Every day is a battle between good and evil, a battle between light and darkness, and we need to pick sides. Are we going to fight for light? Are we going to fight for truth? Are we going to fight for Jesus? Are we going to fight for God? Are we going to fight to honor the Great Commission? Are we going to fight to... Honor the covenant that the United States of America made with God when this country was founded? Or are we going to fight on the other side? Now, there's two different ways of fighting in this regard. One, you can fight by commission, where you pretty much proactively push the dark forces in society. I'm going to honor wokeism. I'm going to honor a non-biblical worldview. I'm going to honor these forces in society that seek to silence Christians and make sure that we're eradicated from the footnotes of history. Now, if you're listening to this program, I highly, highly doubt that you're fighting by commission with the respect of secular society. However, I do believe, because I've been in this, I've been in this bucket myself, I do believe that from time to time, you, me, all of us, we fight alongside the dark forces by omission. We're joining the dark forces based on the things we don't do, based on the things we don't say, based on the times we don't speak up, based on the opportunities to spread the word of God that we do not seize. Fighting alongside the dark forces via omission is just as bad as fighting alongside the dark forces via commission. Maybe even worse, because as Christians, more is expected of us. Every time you don't talk, the dark forces invade. Every time you don't speak up, 
the dark forces gain ground. Every time you don't let your light shine by boldly and unapologetically in the public sphere, letting the world know whose you are, the dark forces continue to advance. And these dark forces are just kicking our tushies, man. I mean, you, you just look at so many different things in society. I mean, the list just goes on and on. You, you got these just crazy issues with transgenderism, be it big organizations like Bud Light going all in with Dylan Mulvaney, be it uh, what's going on with Riley Gaines, the former Kentucky female champion swimmer who's a very outspoken advocate to say, yo, let the girls compete with the girls, let the boys can compete with the boys. She was assaulted at um, was it like San Francisco University or some college in, in San Francisco when she was given a speech. Her life was in danger by these trans weirdos that she actually had to have security escort her to a closet where they had to lock themselves in for four hours before it was safe to come back out. You got Governments that are okay with abortion up till the moment of birth and in some cases killing the baby after it's born if the abortion is botched. You've got drag queens meeting with children in churches. And when we try to speak up, when we try to say, hey, I don't know if I like the direction this is going, we're the bigots. We're full of hate. We're transphobic. We're anti-love. It's like waking up every day in an episode of The Twilight Zone. It's just absolutely absurd. And what starts to happen as time goes on is the secular forces, way more than the Christian forces, I can tell you that, the secular forces have no problem making their voice heard. The secular forces have no problem being loud. The secular forces have no problem standing up for what they believe. Now, we I don't condone the way that they do it. I don't condone the language that they use. I don't condone their tactics. But I admire their passion. Imagine what we could do as Christians if we were more passionate. Imagine what we could do as Christians if we spoke up. Imagine what we could do as Christians if we were bold, if we were unapologetic, if we were all on the same page, if we were all going in the same direction, if we weren't so gosh darn apathetic. Wake up. I mean, you look at some of these statistics. Church attendance, way down. People who are affiliating as Christians, way down. People that have a biblical worldview. That I, I might have shared this at a, in a previous episode just because the number is so depressingly bad that I feel this has got to be a clarion call for all of us as Christians. Barna, which is the gold standard when it comes to statistics for churches and religious institutions. What they did is they surveyed, I don't know how many people, I don't know over how long of a period of time, but these scientists at Barna surveyed Christians. And one of the survey questions was, you know, do you have a biblical worldview? And basically a biblical worldview takes into consideration a couple things. One, you believe that the Bible is the infallible literal word of God. You don't pick and choose. I like this verse, but I don't like these three. You believe that Scripture is the infallible Word of God. Number two, you're 
thinking about scripture constantly. Just, just it's in your mind. You meditate on it. it. It's something that is never far from your mind at any given time. And then also number three, you look at life through a biblical lens. These are the things that I can do because the Bible says it's okay. These are the things that I cannot do because the Bible says it's wrong. This is the truth upon which I stand. Barna surveyed Christians to basically say, do you have a worldview like that? Do you live your life like that? 8% of Christians, not 8% of agnostics, not 8% of atheists, 8% of Christians said they had a biblical worldview. That means 92% of believers don't have a biblical worldview. And we wonder why the secular forces are encroaching. We wonder why this world is just awash in darkness. I had somebody talk to me the other day about this. And, and again, I'm if, if this is one of the first times you're hearing about me or this ministry, welcome. It's a blessing to have you. But one of the things about me is I, I pride myself on being a bit of a content creator. I don't like to sit still. I don't like to be in the background. We've got this podcast. I've got a radio show on iHeartMedia called Covering the World in Christ. I've got two television shows behind the Right Now Media paywall. I'm a public speaker. The list goes on and on. Basically, I like to create content in this regard. And accordingly, I have conversations with a lot of different people. And somebody had said, because in case you haven't noticed, I'm very passionate about this. I get a little animated and worked up when I'm talking about something like this. And this guy, well-meaning guy, he's a believer. But he said, Paul, why do you get so worked up? Jesus is coming back again. Jesus defeats the devil. We know how this ends. So just relax a little bit. Well-meaning guy, good guy. But I couldn't disagree more. Yes, we know how the game ends. Yes, we know Jesus comes back. Yes, we know that in the end, Satan knows that he's going to be thrown into the fiery furnace for all of eternity. But while we're here, I want to fight back. While we're here, I want to honor the Great Commission. While we're here, I want to make sure that we win over as many hearts and minds and souls for Jesus as possible because we never know when Jesus is coming again. We don't know when somebody's time on this earth is going to be through. I mean, imagine this. Imagine there's a guy that's on the fence. He has not accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's on the fence. He's trying to figure out, you know, what do I do? And if I take this gentleman's advice and I say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do those social media posts today. I'm not gonna do that podcast today. I'm not gonna talk about Christ today because it just really works me up. I'm gonna sit this one out. So accordingly, this guy who's on the fence isn't hearing about Christ. This guy who's on the fence isn't reading my post. This guy who's on the fence doesn't have the opportunity to listen to this podcast. And on his way home, he gets hit by that proverbial bus. It's too late at that point. There's no do-overs when you're facing Jesus in that final exit interview in the sky. And make no mistake, you will face Jesus. If you're a believer, you will face Jesus. If you're an agnostic, you will face Jesus. If you're an atheist, you will face Jesus. And boy, I hate to be a fly on the wall on that conversation. There are no do-overs. So while you have breath in your lungs, while you have a heartbeat in your chest, you better be square with your heavenly father. And if you're not, take some time and do it. Hit the pause button on this podcast right now. Get on your knees and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Ask him to come into your heart. Ask him to show you his plan for your life. Ask him to take control and guide you to do the things that he needs you to do. 
So for somebody to say, Paul, relax, chill out a little bit. No, because there's too many people in this world that don't know Jesus. There's too many people in this world that are lost. There's too many people in this world who are carrying a cross that is too heavy for them to continue to shoulder. They need to lay that all down at the foot of the cross. So as long as I've got one puff of air in my lungs, I am going to continue to boldly and unapologetically declare to the world whose I am because the stakes are so high. But now I know why a lot of people don't talk about Christ. I understand why a lot of believers don't share the good news with others, why a lot of these believers don't let their light shine. There's a couple of reasons for it. One, these individuals think that they're being respectful. Because we're told, you know, we're, we're told by society, whatever society is, we're told by, you know, conventional wisdom, whatever conventional wisdom is. You don't talk about politics at the dinner table. You don't talk about religion at the dinner table. And the reason for that is, well, you don't want to upset somebody. You don't want to start a fight. You don't want to turn somebody off. You don't want to get somebody mad at you. Well, you know, sometimes people need to be convicted. And Denzel Washington, very, you guys probably know, very prominent, successful actor. Boy, is he on fire for the Lord. And that's one of the things that I love most about him. And I will continue to watch Denzel Washington movies. My, my wife and I went out to see a movie the other day called The Covenant. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. It's about Afghanistan. Uh, good movie. Action-packed. Really had my attention. Well, there was a preview before The Covenant came on, and it's a movie with Robert De Niro. You know, you remember from Meet the Parents, The Godfather, you know, Robert De Niro. I immediately vomited in my mouth a little bit because Robert De Niro is one of the biggest liberals in all of Hollywood. I can't separate the two. And my, my wife's a little better at it than me. You know, she still likes Robert De Niro. She still likes Alec Baldwin. She still likes Meryl Streep. Me, I can't stomach those three Looney Tunes anymore. I can't. Denzel Washington is a conservative Christian, and I'll watch every single Denzel movie I can get my hands on. Where was I going with this? I forget where I was going with this. But anyway, at the, oh, no, yes, because Denzel Washington had this famous quote. See, with this podcast, sometimes I go on these tangents and I forget where I was going. Denzel had this, this quote once about people that get offended when you talk about Christ, about people that get turned off when you talk about Christ. Denzel Washington said this, if you get offended by Christ, that is nothing more than your demons getting offended by my spirit. And I think there's some truth to that. I can't talk about God because dad might be mad at me. I can't talk about God because these parents in the pickup line for my kid's grade school might think I'm some kind of weirdo and I might offend her. Okay, so I'm going to be quiet. Forget that. The reason Jesus convicts is because it forces people to look in the mirror. And so many people in society today don't want to look in the mirror. They don't want to look at their sin. They don't want to look at how far removed they are from God. They don't want to look at the life that they've lived where they're giving in to every single fleshly desire. They don't want to come to terms with the fact that they know they should be with God. They know they should be living in Christ. They know that they should be plugged into their heavenly father, but they've purposely gone astray. They take it out on you. They look in the mirror and they see something hideous and ugly, but they're mad at you because you held the mirror up to their face. It's like going back to don't kill the messenger. 
because you're easier to blame than themselves. You're easier to lash out at than yourself, than themselves. It's easier to get angry at you and call you a bigot and a racist and whatever else than looking at themselves in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm a busted, broken, disgusting sinner. We can't be afraid of turning people off. We can't be afraid of offending others. Again, I, I just think with eternity in mind, and if you're not thinking about your death every single day, start doing that. I'm not saying that to be morbid. Like, am I going to get eaten by a shark or am I going to have a heart attack or, you know, am I going to, you know, like knowing my luck, I'd go to the petting zoo and a hippo would run over me. And that's, that's, how, I would, that's how I would be remembered. Forget the ministry, forget the things that I've done throughout my life. Oh, wasn't that the guy that got squashed by the hippo with the zoo? Yeah, that was him. Yep. But anyway, think about your death on an ongoing regular basis because it's going to remind you that today is not guaranteed. It's going to remind you that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And it's going to remind you that you are going to have that conversation with Jesus at some point. Think about this with eternity in mind. When Jesus asks you, did you honor the Great Commission? And he's going to ask you that. He doesn't call it the Great Commission and basically say, yeah, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. He's not going to say, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. He's not going to give you a command like that. And then when he looks at you face to face and you say, oh, sorry, I was a little busy with work. Eh, that's OK. I wasn't really serious anyway. That ain't going to fly. You must fulfill the Great Commission. Well, Paul, I'm not comfortable. Yo, get comfortable. You must follow the Great Commission. Paul, I'm too busy. Yo, make it a priority. Take some stuff off your calendar because there's nothing more important than where you're going to spend all of eternity. So imagine you have that final exit interview with Jesus Christ up in heaven. Paul, I'm looking through the books here. I asked you out of the Great Commission. You didn't do a very good job of that. Why? What excuse could I possibly have that's going to pacify Jesus? Yeah, I didn't want to end up in Facebook jail, Lord. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't want to offend people that I never met. Sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't want to potentially lose out on a business opportunity and not secure all the clients, so I didn't post those things on LinkedIn like I probably should have. None of that is going to fly. We need to honor the Great Commission. So in order to do that, we need to stop pleasing man and we need to start pleasing God. The number one reason why people don't share their faith in public. The number one reason why people don't share the good news, the number one reason why people don't honor the Great Commission publicly is they're afraid of what people might think. They're afraid of what people might do. They're afraid of how people might act. These people might think I'm a little weird, so I'm not going to do it. I might end up in the human resources department of my organization, so I'm just going to be quiet. I might have some people say some pretty nasty comments on social media. I don't want to expose myself to that. Therefore, I'm not going to make the post. Paul, in the New Testament, I forget what letter it was, to the Corinthians maybe. I should have probably quote, uh, cited this before I got on the air here. But in a letter, and this, is, this to me is the most convicting piece of Scripture in the entire Bible. In the New Testament, Paul writes to one of the churches. He basically says, you got to ask yourself, am I pleasing man, or am I pleasing God? Which is a good question to ask, but it's what he says next that has truly convicted me and has truly set my heart on fire. He then went on to say this, because if I'm trying to please man, I cannot consider myself a follower of Christ. Boom. Let that one marinate in your tuna fish here today. Think about that one. Because if you're trying to please man, you cannot consider yourself 
a follower of God. If you don't make that social media post that you want to make deep down, you can't consider yourself a follower of God. If you want to say God bless you, but you're afraid you're going to end up blacklisted or subjected to cancel culture, you can't consider yourself a follower of God. If you go to a coffee shop, a grocery store, a restaurant, and whatever, for whatever reason, the opportunity presents itself to talk about God, to witness, even to say something in two sentences about your heavenly father, but you choose not to because you're worried about how humans are going to view you, you cannot consider yourself a follower of God. Now, we're all going to make mistakes, okay? We're all going to miss opportunities once in a while, okay? As long as we acknowledge that, as long as we repent, and as long as we tell God, yo, I'm sorry I didn't take advantage of that opportunity, and you desperately try to do better moving forward, you cannot consider yourself a follower of God. We need to stop worrying about what man thinks, because what is the worst man can do to you? He doesn't talk to me anymore. He left me a poop emoji on Facebook. I lost a piece of business that I probably would have lost anyway because he's a jerk. Come on. We're talking about eternity here. We just need to wake up and we need to be more outspoken. And nothing crystallizes this than this passage in Scripture that I really want to share with you here today. This scripture is from Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. So to give this a little bit of clarity, you had the Pharisees, you had the Sanhedrin, you had the, the most prominent Jewish teachers and scholars and leaders of their day. They called Peter and John in front of them, and they basically said, you got to stop talking about this Jesus guy. Knock it off. We don't like it. We don't acknowledge it. You better be quiet because you're causing a disturbance. It's bothering us. Knock it off. These are the authority figures. So this is like a police officer saying that. This is like a congressman saying that. This is like some kind of a politician saying that. Maybe your boss at a big organization. Hey, I hear you're talking about Jesus in the break room. Stop it. Or a politician. Hey, you know what? We're going to pass this ordinance about how you can't mention Jesus. And if I hear that, you're going to be punished. Maybe this is uh, another parent on you know, like the, the little league team that your kid plays on. And one of the parents hears you talking about God in the bleachers. Hey, you know what? Take that stuff to church. Take that stuff to home. This is not a place for that. It's offending me. Please stop. Knock it off. This is what Peter and John were facing. Only it's at a greater scale because these leaders had a lot of power. These leaders had a lot of influence. These leaders are the same people that can really convince Pontius Pilate to commit Jesus to death. So these are people that are telling them, stop, knock it off. We're not happy. There's going to be problems. And how do Peter and John reply? They pretty much say, yeah, I hear you. But in the grand scheme of things, from God's perspective, 
Who does he want us to listen to? Does he want us to listen to you? Broken, busted, sinful, prideful, arrogant men? Or does he want us to listen to him? You be the judge about that. We know the truth, and we can't be quiet about it. That was obviously not the answer that the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, that these rulers wanted to hear. And believe me, they wanted to punish Peter and John. And eventually, Peter and John do get punished later on in the Bible. They wanted to punish them there, but they couldn't. Why? Because my favorite verse of Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21, comes in verse 21. They say this, after further threats, they let them go. So these rulers were threatening Peter. These rulers were threatening John. There's going to be problems if you continue. You're going to go to jail if this continues. We're going to torture you if this continues. And yes, you might even lose your life if this continues. They wanted to do something there, but they couldn't. Why? Last sentence. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. The people that were witnessing this, the people that were watching this, the people that were experiencing this, they saw how Peter and John stood up for God. They saw how Peter and John didn't give in. They saw how Peter and John weren't trying to please man. They saw how Peter and John were so on fire for their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, these people started to praise God. They might not have known God. Now they do. They might not have believed in God. Now they do. They might not have been praising God. Now they are because these two men boldly and unapologetically stood up to the authorities of their day, the rulers of their day, not in a violent way, not with fists, not with arsonry, not by looting, not by saying defund the police. These are people that stood up and said, hey, if you're giving us a choice between following you and following God, sorry, this is the easiest choice I've ever had in the history of war of the world. I'm following God. People were amazed. And the Pharisees, you know, like politicians, like celebrities, like business executives, they cared about how they looked. They cared about how their appearance was. And because this act by Peter and John got everybody so excited, hands are tied. We can't do a whole lot now. There's three things from Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21 that I want to share with you because these are things that we need to do. We need to be modern-day Peters. We need to be modern-day Johns because this little verse is just packed with so much goodness and so much instruction on how we're supposed to live our lives today if we want to cover the world in Christ and if we want to honor the Great Commission. Number one you got to ask yourself, ultimately, who are you accountable to? Now, on any given day, there's a lot of ways that we can answer that. If you're married, you're accountable to your spouse. If you're a parent, you're accountable to your kids. If you're an entrepreneur, you're accountable to your clients. You're accountable to your employees. If, if you're a hardworking individual for a bigger organization, you're accountable to your bosses. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can answer that. And you're not wrong. But my question to you specifically is going to be, if you put in a list, on a list, if you, if you put a bunch of names in a hat, these are all the people in any given day, at any given time that I'm accountable to, who are you most accountable to? Who should be the number one entity on that list in terms of who you're responsible to and accountable for? And unless your answer is Jesus and that just flies out of your mouth, you're wrong. You are not ultimately accountable to your boss. You are not ultimately accountable to your spouse. You are not ultimately accountable 
to your country more than anything else, you are ultimately accountable to your God. And you have to ask yourself, am I making decisions today based on what God wants? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I living my life according to what God wants me to do? Or am I living to please man? Can you imagine where Christianity would have been today if Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21 sounded a little bit different? What if Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21 sounded like this? Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, thank you for bringing this to our attention. We're sorry that we offended you royal rulers. We hereby solemnly swear that we will never, ever, ever mention the name of Jesus again. The Pharisees were happy. They bid them to leave in peace. And Peter and John retreated to the comfort of their homes. Imagine if that was the Bible verse. Where would Christianity be today? John, said Peter. John, you know what? We, we, we really got to come on now. I've got regret. We shouldn't have said that to the Pharisees. We should really go out there and talk about Jesus. Peter, said John, we can't do that. These guys are going to be mad at us. These guys are going to say nasty things about us. These guys might actually yell at us. And then, you know, who knows? They, they, they might actually want to punish us. You're right, John, said Peter. Maybe we should just be quiet. Let's have some dinner. That's a dramatic reenactment. You might have smiled a little bit. You might have chuckled a little bit. But there'd be nothing funny about it if Peter and John obeyed that command. Just like there's nothing funny about you being quiet. There's nothing funny about you not talking about God. There's nothing funny about you not taking advantage of the opportunities that God is putting in front of you every single day. I ain't laughing. And you won't be laughing when your number is called and you're looking at Jesus and he asks you about that great commission. A lot of people think they're getting in heaven just because they believe. A lot of people think they're getting into heaven because they're good people. A lot of people think they're getting into heaven because they go to church on Easter. I'm not so sure about that. Again, I don't know. That's why they call it faith. I don't know. But there's a parable in Scripture about two individuals that know that there's a party going on or some kind of a gathering, and they go to the house of the owner. They knock. They they go to grab the door. They they try to pull it open. The door's locked. They're like, "What the heck? Does this owner knows us? Why is the door locked? That doesn't make any sense. He knows us. We're friends. We're buddies. His door's always open. Must be a simple mistake." They said. So they started knocking on the door. And the owner said, who's there? And these two people were surprised to say, come on, it's us. And they say, you know, so-and-so, it's us. Open up, let us in. And what does the owner say? The owner says, I don't know you. Get away from me, you evildoers. I've never known you. That should be a very convicting piece of scripture because these were two people. If we use this, like, what is that parable trying to say? These are two people that just assumed they were getting into heaven. These are two, I'm, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm a good person. I follow the Ten Commandments. I believe in God, whatever. Uh, heaven's gate should be wide open. Oops, they're not. Ah, simple mistake. Jesus, hey, <laughs> you forget. You accidentally locked the door. It's us. And what happens when the owner of the house comes to them? I don't know you. Get away from me, you evildoers. 
Two people that just assumed they were ready to walk into heaven. Two people that just assumed that this was going to be a cakewalk. Two people that just assumed, hey, this is where I belong. I don't know you, said their heavenly father. Don't take anything for granted. So that's number one. We need to make sure that our ultimate accountability is God and we're doing everything God wants us to do, including honoring the Great Commission by telling other people about Christ. And that is going to bring some light into a very, very dark world. And that's going to start to push back against that darkness and allow us to restore Christ's place at the center of society. Number two, when it comes to the fear of sharing, the fear of speaking up, the fear of honoring the Great Commission, part of the reason that we're afraid we already discussed, because we don't want to upset man. We're trying to please man, and we've already proved that that's not something that we should worry about. But as it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 18 to 21, when Peter and John were told, you got to be quiet, what do they say? They say, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Basically, we know the truth. We've been shown the truth. We've been told the truth. We've been brought into the truth. And we need to tell others about it. Imagine if you had the cure for cancer. Wouldn't you share that with other cancer patients? Imagine if you had a key that would unlock any kind of door. One of the greatest mysteries in the world, and others would so benefit from it. Your friends would benefit. Your family would benefit. Society would benefit. Wouldn't you share that? Imagine, God forbid, you're at a swimming pool with your children. One of your children, because you're not paying attention, the lifeguard's not paying attention, one of your children, you don't realize, was underwater for about 90 seconds. You pull them out of the water, they're unconscious. You know CPR. Are you not going to give your child CPR to bring them back to life? Of course you are. The same is true with the truth. There are so many people that are drowning. There are so many people that are dead inside. Giving them the truth is like giving them oxygen. It's like giving them breath. It's like restoring them to life spiritually. Why wouldn't you share the truth if you had it to help one person, to help a hundred persons, to help all of humankind? That's what Peter and John were faced with. Hey, we got to share this because we've heard the truth. We've seen the truth. We know the truth. So many people are not familiar with what the truth is. We got to share it. You know the truth. I know the truth. Anybody who's a Christian that has an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ knows the truth. Why are you not giving that life-sustaining, that life-giving breath to other people? That's exactly what God wants you to do because God loves all of his children equally. He loves the atheist just as much as he loves you. He loves the perpetual, purposeful sinner just as much as he loves you. He wants all of his children to have eternal life. He's going to leave the 99 to find the one. He wants us to assist in that. And we don't have an excuse not to if we have the truth on our side. Lastly, and I've already kind of talked about this. So if number one was ultimately who are you accountable to, the answer better be God. So you got to share the good news. 
Number two, we have the truth on our side. A lot of people are looking for the truth, are hungering for the truth. That's why you got people that join Black Lives Matter. That's why you got people that join, you know, Antifa. That, that, that's why you got people that do all of these stupid things. They're looking to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They're just picking all the wrong organizations, the wrong entities, the wrong movements. We've got the one where they need to belong to, and we need to share that with them. But the last one, and I've already talked about this, Acts chapter 4, verse 21. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. You want to cover the world in Christ? Let other people see you stand up for Christ. You want to cover the world in Christ? Let other people watch you boldly and unapologetically standing in the truth, standing in the light, not giving in to desires of the flesh, not giving in to the worry of what man might think of you. How many hearts were won at that moment when John and Peter said, no, we're going to continue to talk about God? How many souls were saved in that moment when John and Peter said, no, you're a human We respect your authority from a government perspective, but our ultimate accountability, our ultimate authority, the ultimate person that we need to stay in good graces with is our Heavenly Father. He trumps you. Sorry. Can't help you. When people see you standing up for your faith on social media, they praise God. When people see you at the office not caving in, to wokeism or leftism or political correctness. They praise God. When you boycott these movies, like Disney movies or any movies, it's not about telling a good story. Instead, it's all about some kind of an agenda. When you boycott those movies, when you call out those movies, people praise God. If we're going to cover the world in Christ, We need to have the discipline. We need to have the mentality. We need to have the intestinal fortitude to, one, ensure that God is our ultimate source of accountability, not man. Two, we need to recognize that we have the truth on our side, and it is our duty to share that truth with others. But then three, we need to recognize that we live in a fishbowl. As Christians, there's more eyes on us. There's a higher expectation on us, and people are watching us constantly. And if we do what we're supposed to do, that will bring glory and honor to God. And it's my prayer that you will follow the example that Peter and John said in Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21, and you will live your life accordingly. One person who has lived his life in that manner is Joe Fricano. He's the publisher and regional advisor with Decided Excellence Catholic Media. He's going to be coming up here momentarily. But, you know, another person who has been bold, another person who has been unapologetic, and another person who has stood up for his beliefs is Tom Feldhusen, Executive Advisor. I've been a satisfied client of Tom Feldhusen's now for several years. He has allowed me to thrive professionally. He's been one of my right-hand guys in terms of helping me from a strategy perspective, from a leadership perspective, just not only to be the best possible leader for me and my businesses as I am, but Tom's area of expertise 
focuses on your most important asset, your people. Do you have the right people? Are they in the right seats on the bus? And if the answer is no or no, you got to find the right people. And he is an absolute master at helping Wisconsin-based organizations find the right individuals for their businesses. And I would strongly encourage you to reach out to Tom Feldhusen. He is a member of C-Suite for Christ. He is unapologetically putting God first in his life. Best way to reach him is his cell number, 262-305-2502. Again, Tom Feldhusen, Executive Advisor. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Joe Fricano. Don't go away. Are you a Christian-based organization? Well, so are we, and we're here to serve you. We want to help you with your mission, so please visit ParagonMarketingGroup.com to see how we can help. Need a trade show display? A lobby renovation? Heck, how about help with an event that you're hosting? Captivate Exhibits can do it all. Plus, they're an outspoken faith-based organization that puts Christ first in all that they do. Ready to captivate the attention of the masses? Then check them out today at CaptivateExhibits.com. That's CaptivateExhibits.com. And welcome back, everybody. Getting very excited. Our guest of honor, Joe Fricano, is about 60 seconds away. And this is his second appearance of the C-Suite for Christ podcast. Good dude. And I think you're going to find out why here momentarily. But I just want to encourage you. You know, we are all about the Great Commission here. And I say this a thousand times. I wish I had a dollar for every time I said this. I might not even have to do this podcast moving forward. But it ain't the great. It is the Great Commission for a reason. It ain't the great suggestion. It's not the great recommendation. We don't have a choice in this matter. Well, Paul, I'm just not comfortable. Get comfortable. Paul, I'm just too busy. Make time. You know, I again, we're all going to have that final exit interview in the sky when we have to take account for all the things we did and did not do, for all the things we said and did not say. And it is in Scripture that we need to cover the world in Christ. We need to make disciples of all nations. Good news is we got your back here at the C-Suite for Christ ministry. So all you got to do to make it easy, you don't got to be a polished speaker. You don't need to have 100,000 followers on LinkedIn like we have as a ministry. All you need is to make yourself available. Are you available to text three people today about this podcast? Are you available to make a, a post on LinkedIn to say, hey, I just heard this this really cool podcast. You should check it out. Just doing that is your opportunity, I suppose, to help us cover the world in Christ. Whatever you do, do something because we're better together, we're stronger together, and we're going to cover the world in Christ together. One person who has been in the foxhole with me now for a couple of years helping us to cover the world in Christ is Joe Fricano. He's a regional advisor for Decided Excellence Catholic Media. I'm not just saying this because he's about to make his appearance on the program. He's one of my favorite people, representing one of my favorite organizations. We're going to go deep on a very important topic. So, Brother Joe, how are you, sir? Hey, doing great, Paul, and thanks so much for the kind words and for having me today. Well, you you paid me enough to say it, so the least I could do is execute on it. <laughs> but no anyway it's a blessing to have you and joe as you know over the course of the next 20 minutes or so we're going to be unpacking what i think is a very very powerful verse 
to make sure that everybody's on the same page. We're talking about Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Pretty good stuff. Lots to unpack, Brother Joe. So what does Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21 mean to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, good question. So, yeah, th th this particular verse... Um, I think we could we could plop it right into the world today. Um, I think this verse is about authorities warning apostles not to go out and and spread the gospel, not to talk about this man Jesus, not to talk about the miracles he performed, not to share the gospels. Um, and uh, I think I think these days um, we hear it in our society, you know, like you know, not to bring up politics and religion, not to talk about these things, um, whether it be in business, whether it be out at the bar or whatever. I, I think um, um, what it means to me is uh, I, I'm really inspired by Peter and John about how they stood up for our Lord. Um, they stood up for him and defended him um, and said, basically, hey, you know, uh, God is sovereign over all systems of power. Uh, we answer to God, and, and it's true. You know, someday we're going to have to um, be in front of God after we pass. And you know, did did we honor God through our actions, through our words, through our deeds? And um, I think ultimately, um, God is love. There, there is no uh, such thing as love without sacrifice. And I think in in moments where we could say something. To be a witness for our Lord, even when it's hard, even when we're persecuted for it, even when we're thought to be weirdos or crazy um, for our belief in God. I think standing firm as a witness, standing with courage in moments to to either be a witness through action or even a witness through what we say um, so that we do not deny our Lord. And, and by the way, Peter, we know, denied our Lord three times, right? And then after after Jesus died and resurrected, he came and baptized all of his apostles with the Holy Spirit. And that's really in the Acts of the Apostles. That's when that's when you really see these apostles go out and change the world. And um, I guess another thing it means for me is uh, how are we any different today as followers? I, I, I'm not going around maybe. Um, working miracles like Peter and John were able to, um, especially Peter. But I know that I'm called because of the Great Commission, not the great suggestion, as you said. I know that I'm called to absolutely share the Gospels, defend our Lord, stand up for our Lord, um, and, and share, anytime I have the opportunity, share something about him, something about his life, and... Um, I guess to do it with no fear. I think it's it's very easy to have fear to speak up in certain moments for how people might judge us or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I just I admire the the strength of these men, even if it meant death or imprisonment. 
Uh, they they were steadfast in their their witness, uh, being a witness to our Lord. So, yeah, really good stuff. As I knew we were going to come out of the gates here pretty strong. I think my biggest takeaway from all of that stuff is when you were talking about where to share Christ. The second suggestion you made was at the bar. Joe, do we have to have an intervention here? Uh, no, no, I I, <laughs> I do not go to the bar often, but I have been known to. Yeah, I I have been known to bring up religion at the bar. It happens. It just happens. For me. Well, and, and God bless you, man. I mean, that's, you know, what, what do they say in Scripture? It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And if we're going to bring Christ into a bar, I think that's a wonderful place for him to go. So more power to you. Uh, I, I do want to dive a little bit deeper, Joe, into this issue of synergies between the times of the Acts of the Apostles and today. Because when you look at Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21, it is impossible to ignore the overtones of today's society in that piece of scripture, because unlike this verse, you know, unlike what you what you read and what you saw here, many Christians elect to be silent. They're they're not defiant necessarily. They're not saying, "Well, pff, who are we going to listen to? You, President Biden or God?" Well, some people listen to President Biden, or some people listen to their boss, or some people listen to cancel culture. Oh, you don't want me to be vocal about God? Okay, okay, sorry. But you look at this verse, it's defiant. Who are we going to do? Listen to you or are we going to listen to God? I just don't think there's that many bold Christians today that would respond in the same way that these individuals in the Acts of the Apostles did. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that there's this lack of boldness among Christians today? And I guess to add to that, why is this such a big problem for us today? Sure. Well, I want to start by saying something carefully, and that's I, I just I want to make sure that first of all, one of the ways that I define myself is yeah, I'm a sinner. So I nothing that I say do I want it to come off as self righteous, okay? Because number one, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I make mistakes myself, many of them. So I don't want to act like oh, because I have this boldness. Hey, be like me. Um, I think it's important to be bold, but I think there's a reason why a lot of people aren't as bold. I think I think that authorities out there, you mentioned President Biden or other authorities that are out there, other forces, whether they're global organizations or presidents or governors or mayors or um, or whatever, uh, it could be like um, some some private organization, corporations are putting out messaging. I think there's a lot to fear these days. I mean, I, I try to look past the fear myself, but there's a lot of fear. Look at who is being censored. Um, look at who's being blocked when they're trying to share the truth. They're trying to share the goodness of the truth, right? Um, about anything, really. Um, I think um, uh, the reason why it's hard is just simply because of people fear what could happen to them if they speak up. And that's that's not a good place for us to be. Um, um, free speech is absolutely under attack. I mean, I like listening to people that have been censored because I don't think they've been censored for sharing lies as much as they've been censored for for um, sharing things that people in very high places of authority or power don't want them sharing certain things. Right. So um, so super more important. It's more important than ever. Uh, to be bold and share things. I, I know for me, I, I, I'm sometimes scared. I, I, I'm i on LinkedIn sometimes, and I know, Paul, you're on there. And I was actually at the C-Suite for Christ 
meeting, I think a month ago or so. Oh, it was February, actually. Um, and I was talking with some of the some of your great executives at that meeting. And um, I'm noticing this, and I, I don't want to offend anyone at all, but there's this, there's this mindset that you're a virtuous, good person if you shout off the roof rooftops what your pronouns are. Now, again, what I'm about to say could be called hate speech. It's not. I, I, it's love that I'm sharing here. I'm trying to share this in a loving, as loving of a way as possible. But at the meeting with C-Suite, um, I shared how I had been contemplating putting something in, in my pronouns, like child of God or created in the image and likeness of God. I don't, I think that's one little example of what the world is telling me to do. But okay, I have an opportunity to be a witness for our Lord. Um, I, I did finally put, because of the courage some of the people at um, the meeting gave me, I just felt a little more built up. Uh, um, I put child of God finally on LinkedIn. I, I don't know how that's received. I don't know if people think I'm trying to look like I'm some holy roller or if I'm coming off as self-righteous. But I believe it's illogical for me to have to say, Call me he, him when I'm not in the room. Well, obviously, look, take a look at my picture. I'm a, I'm a dude. Um, I was created in the image and likeness of God. Um, I think when we, when, we, when we subscribe to what the world is asking us to do, even LinkedIn is asking us to do, to share pronouns, um, well, isn't it obvious that we are created by God? To me, it's obvious. Um, and, and I think having to share my pronoun for something that's, that's natural because we're created by the supernatural by God. It to me, it's illogical. I, I think, I think man and woman, I think we become unintelligible when we forget about the presence of God in our lives. I think that for us to have to mention how people should describe us, how people should describe our identity, we're sons and daughters of God. We're created in the image and likeness of God. God knew what he was doing when he was when he was had a hand in our creation. Without him, we are not here, right? So um, so I think I'm I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, Paul, but you got me going, my friend. Um the, the synergy between this verse and what Christians face today is there are so many messages out there we're getting from the world that don't align with the eternal, with what our Lord has told us. And um, and this this um, acts of the apostles, these verses, they give me confidence and they give me courage um, that we're following in the footsteps of Peter and John, who are following the rabbi, Jesus himself. Um, and they were persecuted like crazy. They were they were actually hated and persecuted, imprisoned and killed and tortured, um, much like how Jesus was treated. But they kept going just like our Lord did. And I think for us, we have to keep up the good fight and keep going. And and uh, we have to do it in a way that uh, we have to try to look past the fear that's being thrown at us. Um, and just uh, how can we be witnesses today more than ever? Because we are living in an apostolic age. I don't believe we're living in Christendom anymore. Like this, where it's the trend. I do believe, though, Paul, to say something hopeful. I believe there are many, many people like you and I. 
I believe people are becoming more emboldened. I believe people are becoming more courageous. People are starting to get sick of it more and more and more. The censorship, the attack of free speech, uh, the um, the attack on Christianity. There is one. Um, there is a hate for our Lord out there. Um, and, and we see it through our culture. Um, we see it through some of the messaging that we see. If you just flip on the news or um, you look at social media uh, and you look at you just go to a big city and you'll see things. Right. Uh, so anyway, I, I know that's a long answer, but uh, I hope it makes sense. Well, one of the things that I really pride ourselves on here at the C-Suite for Christ podcast and uh, Joe and I were actually talking about this before we hit the record button. You know, these aren't scripted conversations. We have an idea of what Bible verse we're going to unpack, but I, the guests, we let the Holy Spirit move. So you never have to apologize for a long answer. If the Holy Spirit is setting you on fire, if the Holy Spirit's giving you a lot to say, good, because I like where this conversation is going. And, and just in response to what Joe said, you know, let's let's just very briefly, before I move on to the next question here, if we very briefly ask ourselves those two words that can haunt us for all of humanity, what if? I mean, how many of you are living life with a what if, you know, what if I just asked her out or what if I started that business or, hey, what if this doesn't work? I mean, what if can literally truly haunt your dreams? So what if Acts chapter four, verse 18 was like this? Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. OK, so we got that. And then what if Peter and John said, OK, sorry. Where would we be as a society if Peter and John caved where would we be as a society if the apostle said oh i didn't mean to offend you i'll shut up now where would you be where would i be where would christianity be well now go what if what if joe stops talking what if i stop talking what if you stop talking where are we going to be as a society you're going to end up in facebook jail you're going to end up in human resources the the person who's a cubicle away from you is not going to invite you to the company cookout Come on. I mean, we're talking about eternity here and we're prevented from doing some of these things because society tells us. And then to Joe's point, too, I mean, as, this is the sign for me that this ministry has really taken off. There's just a lot of eyes on us, not just on the ministry, but people like Joe Fricano, because, you know, comfortable Christians really don't find C-Suite for Christ all that appealing because we push, because we challenge, because we convict our members. But people like Joe and people that are on fire for the Lord, this is a good place for them. There was an article about Leah Thomas. You know, this knucklehead Leah Thomas was the, the guy swimmer. He was like number 500 in the world. He becomes a girl. Now he's the number one swimmer. Well, you know, he was he recently did an interview where he said, well, if you don't want me in the women's sporting events, you're transphobic. And I posted something like, well, isn't this a war on women? And man, six or seven people, Paul, you're a racist, bigot, sexist, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I mean, that's what we're up against. People don't even want to have intelligent conversations. They're just going to accuse and mock and silence you. And thankfully, we got a guy like Joe Fricano and other members of C-Suite for Christ that are saying enough is enough. Joe, it's obvious you are very, very passionate about this. Uh, I feel that I am as well, too. It's a shame that we've only got 20 minutes total to have this conversation. But not only are you passionate, and that was evident in your answer just a minute ago, but when you look at this verse, Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are also extremely passionate. I mean, their passion is like literally dripping off the page about how on fire they are for the Lord. How can you, how can I, how can other passionate Christians get other Christians to feel the same way that we do? 
Yeah, great, great question, and, and man, great, great thoughts, Paul, and, and uh, love, love the work that you're doing covering the world in Christ. By the way, uh, with just unapologetically and so boldly. But how, how can we? I guess the question is, how can we inspire others to feel the same way? Um, I think number one, it starts with prayer. We we can pray for them. Um, we can let them know that we're praying for them. We can look for openings and conversations to um, to little things to to be a witness as well and give people hope in difficult moments by letting them know hey you know uh, our lord is with you i'm praying for you um can i get together with you and talk about that if you, if you ever need someone just to listen to um i i think of how our lord sat and broke bread with with his apostles he he um he just loved people and that that love attracted people so just just the way we treat others too um, I think if we're a really good friend to somebody and we're we're happy because we're rooted in Christ, people that attracts people and people will want to know why why is that guy Paul? Why does he have such a joyful spirit? Man, that guy's compassionate. Uh, he seems like he's really a happy guy. I, I think that that joy can really attract people and that can open doors and, and open conversations for being a witness for our Lord as well. Um, so with that said, um, I think just um, uh, calling upon the Holy Spirit and really, really focusing on trying to be who God created you to be. God knew what he was doing when he created us. And um, and I, th I think when you when you get labeled like a transphobic, like you mentioned, for posting something, um, I think it's OK to be labeled that. It wasn't your goal to be labeled that. It's obviously not true. Um, you love people, Paul, no matter where they come from. And I think that's the answer. Um, Christ teaches us even to love our enemies. Well, someone that that has an outlook on themselves, on gender identity, that's that's not in line with how God created them. I think I think that person needs love. I think love saves lives. I think love saves relationships. And I think a loving message. If I ever met somebody that felt that how God created them was not the right way, um, I guess the first thing maybe to do there is to be friends, but and just show show love, not not show judgment. But um, I think also it's not really fair for somebody that was created as a man to compete with women. Um, there there are so many different advantages that men have physically. That, that's just a fact. I mean, I, that's that's actually science as much as they butcher science these days. So um, I think it's just important to stand up for the truth, even when people hate you because of it. And and Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And and typically any rejection of of the fact that we're created in, our, in the image and likeness of God. Anytime we we don't stand up, we're actually not honoring our Lord. Um, and it's almost like we're we're, we're denying him. So, um, so I hope, I hope that answers. Um, I think it's really often in the little things and just paying attention and, and staying rooted ourselves. Um, I had someone share yesterday with me, um, the best thing we can do uh, for our kids, for example, we have a great opportunity for parents to, um, to pass our passions on to our kids for the faith by just, by just being excellent examples. They are always watching. They are always listening. And I think that's one great way because 
we send our kids off to school. We send our, send our kids off to sports, to friends' homes for sleepovers. And how they conduct themselves is absolutely a reflection of us. So I think that's potentially another way if, if for any listeners out there that do have kids also. So um, that's that's how I wanted to answer that one, Paul. Yeah, and uh, again, very good stuff. We're going to have to have you back on this uh, show here sometime soon because, yeah, your, your passion for this, my passion for this is certainly evident. And one of the things when I started this ministry, and again, I just like you, Joe, I am a busted, broken, horrible, rotten, sinful person. I'm the most sinful person I've ever met, just to be truly honest. So I don't, I'm not saying holier than thou or anything else, but you know, when I started this ministry, and again, I didn't want to do it. I ignored God. I pushed back against God. It was like six months, seven months. He had this on my heart before I finally woke up and said, yeah, maybe I should do this. But one of the things that God put on my heart were really three simple words, feed my sheep. And, and I think that's something that we should all have in our hearts. Feed my sheep, because everybody, to Joe's point, is created in the image of God. Everybody is a beloved son or daughter of God, even if they renounce him, even if they don't acknowledge that he even exists. And again, to Joe's point, when you look at Peter, you know, Peter denied Christ by commission, where he flat out said, I don't know this man. But a lot of us deny Christ every day by omission, the things we don't say, the things we don't do, the social media posts we don't make. And what sickens me is when you look at these uh, two individuals, we'll go back to Leah Thomas, this guy who now all of a sudden wants to be a girl and compete in girls' sports. Not only uh, if you look at someone like Leah Thomas, how about someone like a Dylan Mulvaney, the, the person at the middle of this Bud Light fiasco? These people are sick. I mean, I mean, it doesn't mean that they're not wonderful people. There's something wrong when a guy who's failing at swim wants to become a woman and compete. There's something wrong when a guy says, I'm a dude, but I'm going to pretend like I'm a woman and do 365 days of womanhood. What Bud Light is doing is enabling this, is paying a person who is obviously sick to continue this behavior. So a guy like Joe stands up and says, hey, there's something wrong here, and he gets persecuted. There's somebody like me says, you know, yeah, I'm going to stop drinking Bud Light because, you know, we, we can't incentivize this behavior. Now, I'm a bigot. We, we need to feed sheep. Leah Thomas is a sheep. Let, let's feed that person. Dylan Mulvaney is a sheep. Let's feed that person and stop enabling people like this. Anyway, Joe, we got 60 seconds here to go. What I want to do is I at least want to give you the opportunity to share a little bit about your organization. I mean, one of the main reasons I love being associated with you and decided excellence Catholic media is because your organization is standing up for Christ in a very similar way to Acts chapter four, verses 18 through 21. So about 60 seconds or less, if you can tell us more about decided excellence and how you're inspiring others to live a Christ centric life. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. Absolutely. Um, uh, our objective is to put Christ in the kitchen tables of his, of his many families homes as we can um, and to be crusaders for good media, to share the truth. Now, we're not we're not sharing stories of Dylan Mulvaney and things like that. Our our um, our hope is to reach people kind of we, we do we do niche print magazines for Christians, um, particularly the Catholic niche. And we see people coming back to to mass. We see people asking questions, getting engaged again or staying engaged with their faith. Um, we give tips on how to live. Talk, we talk about similar things on uh, that we I mentioned about prayer and staying rooted in Christ, but um, but we we hope that those engagements that we provide, um, we hope that they do ask they do get people to ask the, the questions about 
how do I respond to this society? Uh, how do I respond? How do I become uh, more courageous to stand up, to have conversations like we're having now? So um, but that, that's really our mission is to, um, to, to draw people closer to Christ. And to uh, we're now putting out 3 million issues per year in 22 states throughout the country. So we're really proud of that. And we're just getting started, Paul. Yeah, and that's uh, ex- extremely exciting. This is why we support Joe and his efforts. This is why we support uh, Decided Excellence Catholic Media. Now, again, you don't have to be a Joe Fricano. You don't have to have a magazine with a wide distribution. You don't have to be a ministry like C-Suite for Christ that has nearly 100,000 followers on LinkedIn. We're just asking you to be you. We're just asking you, once in a while, start a conversation about Christ. Heck, again, if you want to start small, it's what I said at the onset of this conversation. Just, you know, whatever platform you're listening to us on here today, be it Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, whatever, you got those little dots. I don't even know what they call them, ellipses, whatever the heck they are. Just click those dots, and through the advancement of technology, you can instantly text this message to two or three people. That's honoring the Great Commission. Whatever you do, do something. But Joe, I can't tell you how proud I am of you, man. It is an absolute blessing to have you in the ministry. I am so proud of our partnership and um, really honored that you took time to be with us here today and have this important conversation. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, hey, thanks. It's an honor, Paul. And we're we're just, even just the conversation between you and I, we're just getting started too. So yeah, uh, amen. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. So Uh, We're going to be right back after a short break. Don't go anywhere. We got some closing remarks coming right up. Well, as we get ready to say goodbye here on another edition of the C-Suite for Christ podcast, just want to say thanks to my brother in Christ and good friend, Joe Fricano, publisher and regional advisor with Decided Excellence Catholic Media, a world-class man, part of a world-class organization. I would truly encourage you, especially if you're of the Catholic persuasion, to look them up and see what their organization can do for you and your community. 60 seconds or less, what do we learn today? Again, today's podcast is all about Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 21, and there is so much that we can glean from this piece of Scripture if we aspire to cover the world in Christ, and it really only boils down to three things. Number one, who are you ultimately accountable to? Now, we wear many hats in any given day, spouses and children and employees, and the list goes on and on, but you got to go through life knowing that God is the ultimate person you're accountable to. And if you go through that every single day, you're going to start to worry about pleasing people less and worry about pleasing God more. Number two, we have the truth on our side, like Peter and John, who have seen the truth, who have heard the truth, so have we. And this truth gives life-giving breath to everybody else who receives it. And that's part of the Great Commission is to share this truth with others And then lastly, if we're going to cover the world in Christ, sure, we can have 50 million individual conversations with non-believers or people who are on the fence. But we need to cover this world in Christ faster than than we otherwise could. And just know there's a lot of people watching. Your family is watching. Your coworkers are watching. Your community is watching. Your social media followers are watching. If you boldly and unapologetically declare your love for the Lord, that will catch people's attention, that will inspire other people, and that will motivate them to want to emulate you. And just think about all the lives you can win for Christ if you're bold, if you're unapologetic, if you go against the grain with what society wants. And if you do it, and I do it, and other people do it, we will for sure 
cover this world in Christ. Just know that I love you, and it would be a blessing to get you involved in our ministry. Go to our website to learn more, csweetforchrist.com. I'm Paul M. Newberger. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Thank you for joining us on the C-Suite for Christ podcast. People everywhere are thirsting for Christ. Our goal is to cover the world in Christ using hope, encouragement, and God's nourishing words. We hope you'll join us. Please visit csweetforchrist.com and come back soon for more conversations centered around God's endless love for us all. I saw you in my dreams before I came here. I will keep you in my dreams when I leave here. I won't forget you, no, 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 no. I won't forget you. You're like one of a kind.